G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. And our special guest, Terry Williams, is a children's ministry specialist who serves on a global training team with Scripture Union International, helping to multiply trainers across the world. So a wonderful opportunity through this hour to glean some great words of wisdom and not only words of wisdom, but inspiration for uh, your involvement in your local church and with children uh, through your local church and in your community. A special welcome to you, Terry Williams. G'day, Neil. Thank you very much. Uh, Terry, uh, where have you been since last time we spoke? I mean, because when I say you're on a, a global training team, you seriously are globetrotting uh, left, right and centre, everywhere. Uh, tell us, uh, just rattle off a few of the destinations you've actually visited and had opportunity to contribute into the lives of children's ministers. Uh, Neil, I'm just back and I put my suitcase under the bed until February, so hallelujah. Uh, I have had the privilege of being in uh, Guatemala. Um, I've been in Ukraine working with children in orphanages. Um, been in the Philippines where there are some challenging circumstances for children and families. South Korea, Chiang Mai, um, and I've just come back from an under, underprivileged third world country called the United States of America. Can I say that? No. <laughs> we well, know that's only a joke. So. <laughs> okay. All right. But traveling very extensively, mm. and, and as you say, what a relief to come home. You're mm. going to be here for a few months before you're no doubt already putting together an itinerary for 2017. But when you come home to Australia, uh, you've been uh, training trainers, training children's ministers in all of these other nations around the world, and some of those that you mentioned with really special and significant challenges. Mm. When you come back and you've you know, you're putting your feet on the tarmac, you're on Australian soil again, and uh, and then the phone rings, and, oh, Terry, you're back in town. You know, we've got our own issues here in Australia, children's ministry. What are the big things that are different about perhaps the local Australian scene compared to what you see around the world? Yes, I've, it's always good to land back on Australian soil and drink good Aussie coffee. Um, I was in Guatemala earlier this year, and... Um, I went to visit an orphanage there and I met a young man who joined the gangs when he was 10 years of age, left his Christian home to join a gang. And he found out that when he was in prison for five years, that 86% of his mates in there with him grew up in Christian homes. And I'm thinking, that's just a Guatemalan issue. But as I come back to this country, this very privileged country, we are the lucky country. In so many respects, we may not have some of the issues that I've seen and experienced from my time in Iraq and Pakistan, all those countries, but we have some serious issues that are confronting our children today, our, our most vulnerable. And um, I, yeah, I think some, sometimes I think we, we just forget about them. We think the issues aren't there, but there are some significant challenges confronting families and children today. And for listeners who are involved in serving, Children through their children's ministry program initiatives, it's good to be cognizant of some of these and to ask the question, Lord, what can I do to be, 
begin to be some of the solution to these issues confronting our Aussie kids in our, in our lucky country. You know, when you're a part of a local church and you recognise that your church has a children's ministry team, uh, we appreciate that what is shaping our children is going to be shaping the adults for the future. And if we get it all wrong, if it all goes to cast, it all goes bad, the lives of those children are affected in some dreadful ways. And, uh, you know, you've seen these things around the world. Uh, you've been involved in the shaping of, of children with Christian faith. Uh, what sort of difference does it make when you've got a child who's shaped in a good way mm. uh, by the things of God, uh, the Scriptures, uh, and the outcomes in a life when a child is not shaped by those sorts of values and ideals? Yes. There's enough secular research out there which continues to underline the importance of the first five years of a child's life. I mean, that is where so much of a child's values and DNA of the family group in which they're connected are downloaded into that child. And so, therefore, those first five years are just vital. But I think sometimes we lose sight of the priority of that. So to answer your question, I can tell you there I can name five countries in the world, including Madagascar, Togo, uh, India, where children are each week are putting on television programs across their national airwaves. These are children who are, have been who have been who have been influenced by the good news of the Christian faith, and they want to share that. And so they're out there doing it. And so while I passionately believe that what we do with our children today is setting them up for their future and our future, at the same time, we don't just see them as potential for the future, they're potential for today. And I can tell you story after story of children who are out there changing the world, children who are being confronted by brokenness in whatever form, and they're doing something about it. And that inspires me. And so the more we can give children a voice and hear what their thoughts are about global warming, about refugees, and give them the problem and say, what could you do to begin to solve that? I think it's time for many of us adults to take a step back and just leave the question on the table and say, what would you do? How can you be a part of bringing change? And let's see what God wants to do through our children. Now, there's a very interesting and very deep thing that you've just communicated, uh, something I think is quite profound, uh, because sometimes we think of children's ministry as uh, sitting the kids down, lining them up, and telling them what they should think, telling them what they should believe. Now, we want to be able to shape the things that they do believe, but... Mm. Uh, they're the ones who will ultimately be the thinkers and the doers of the future. And you're saying, uh, why don't we ask the children how they would deal with the big problems? How important is it to ask the questions and not just tell them to learn things by rote? Well, a man named Jesus, I believe, asked about 180-something questions in the Gospels that are recorded. Um, but most of those uh, were open-ended questions. Very few were closed questions, maybe only two or three, I believe. So I think we can learn from Jesus in terms of how we, how we have conversations with people of all ages, including children. And we need to learn the art of asking good questions, not just closed questions about how many loaves of bread and fish did the boy bring to Jesus and how many commandments there were. It's more why... Why did Jesus feed the crowd that day? It's asking good questions that stimulate thinking. This can happen around your dinner table, driving your children to school and in your children's church program, your Sunday school class. It's not just 
comprehension exercise. We want to engage the stories of the Bible. These are living, true stories, but in a way that actually helps the listener, the child, to engage in it. And the more we can do that experientially, I wonder how many people had their lunch that day, Neil. Now, I don't believe there was only one person who had lunch in their bag. Just think about it. People were out there. Others would have had their lunch. That's what I'm suggesting. But this one boy had his lunch. I wonder why, if that is the case, why he chose to give it to Jesus. Why didn't other people bring their lunch? And I'd like to think many adults would have looked at the crowd, done the maths, and thought, my Vegemite sandwiches won't feed. I'll just keep them. But this boy, he just did something different. And so let's, let's help children get into the story and imagine uh, rather than just tell them the stories and ask the questions to hear how they're responding. And what does that story say to you? That's a key question rather than here are the three points, all starting with P, that tell us what this story is all about. So we need to learn a different way, I believe, in terms of engaging the truth and the excitement of God's story with that their young children. A deeper question you're raising about adults in church and what they think about the children, uh, whether the Sunday school or the kids' church or whatever you want to call it, mm. is like a child-minding uh, session, and uh, that's an opportunity for the adults to do real church while the kids are out playing a few fun games. Uh, there's a few nice volunteers who've given up their opportunity to sit in the adult church to go and look after the kids. What we think about the children, our expectations of what the children might believe and might become, I guess that becomes very important for adults to ask. The idea of having separate age-graded um, structures in our churches is a very postmodern um, idea. Um, we started employing professionals in churches back in the 80s, our children's workers, our youth workers, but... But before that, it was very much the home was a was a centre for faith formation. And um, but with the professionalisation, and it's good that the church does this, but it has taken the priority away from home. Um, and the church is often saying, "Send us your children, and we'll we'll disciple them." And that's a good thing, but not at the expense of how do we support parents in doing that. So, so as I come and look at weekend events, be it Saturdays or Sundays, whenever your church gathers. In many situations in this in our nation, we do separate, I think, too much and too quickly. And while I'm all for some separation because it's great to have ages um, together, you can focus at the same level, I think we've lost the opportunity of what do we do when we are together before we do separate, how we can be the whole people of God. And I see too many weekend events organised to meet the needs of the adults in that community at the expense of the young children who are still finding their faith. And many children walk away from their faith once they have the independence to leave because the weekend event, which is a key part of their faith formation, hasn't really set them up to want to stay and to grow in that faith and give them that robust faith where they can really engage with some of them. So I'm, I'm generalising, but this is some observations I continue to see as I travel in this country. Well, as you're sharing that, I'm thinking back to days when there were things like, you know, the Sunday school picnic. And uh, and that would be a whole day out and, you know, sometimes usually quite uncomfortable, you know, flies and, and the heat and whatever it might be. Watermelon. Some of those, <laughs> but, but the I Sunday can... school picnic was about the children. It wasn't about the adults. And uh, I suspect that sometimes the planning these days is all about how do we impress the adults by having a day out and maybe the kids will play a few games on the side? Yeah, I went to many Sunday school 
picnics because um, my parents were not church attenders back in the 60s. My brother and sister and I, we went to Sunday school. But the annual Sunday school picnic, was a, it was a great event. And I love it now and I still love the concept because it's generations coming together, people of all ages being the people of God. And, um, but sometimes we, we don't have many of those opportunities. There may be a family service that happens once a term, once a, in a church, and that's coming together. So these are good things. I'd, I'd like to just champion more. How do we do generational things together? Because every time I see a child mentioned in the Bible, they're always in generational settings, always. The community, the Hebrew word we just read, family, means community, along with the other word, which means household. They're the two words interchangeably used in the Old Testament for family, household first and then community. And so uh, we in the West, we've become a little bit segregated and we don't do generational things together well, sometimes on a weekend. But what does it mean to be the whole people of God 24-7 so that our children are growing up in a, in a setting where other people are adding and journeying with them, helping them make sense of life and faith as, as life throws all these curveballs at them. So we're on a learning curve in that area. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Well, we're talking about children this hour and your invitation to be a part of our conversation. 1-800-316-316 if you'd like to join in. Terry Williams is our guest, children's ministry specialist, travels the world. And these days spends his time training people uh, who are involved in children's ministry. And as you might have heard from our introduction and uh, some of the places that Terry has visited, some of the challenging places and nations around the world too, and, of course, getting a contrast and idea about children's ministry here on home soil in Australia. We are taking calls, 1-800-316-316, if you'd like to join our conversation. Let's take a call from Robin in Victoria. Hello, Robin. Welcome along. Hi. Hi, Terry. How are you? Am Hello. I speaking to Terry or...? Yeah, Neil and Terry. Hello, Terry's Robin. here too. And Terry, hi, both of you. Yeah, I just want to say AM, 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 AM and PM, um, Amen to everything you've been saying. It's just spot on that adults need to be in the lives of, one, their children, their grandchildren, or, yes, kids' church, ministries, all that sort of thing. The whole mixed thing. I've been very against the separation for years and years and years, so it's so amazing to hear you talking about it. I'm not saying, like you've said, sorry, I am saying what you said, um, there's times for the separation groups, you know, a group for kids to do something here or the teenagers or the adults or the grands, whatever it might be. But we have to have combined time as well. Absolutely. It's absolutely critical because our children learn from the adults around their world. And uh, if we're not in their world, what are they going to learn and who are they going to learn it from? I mean, yes, we can learn things from things from our peers, but as children, our peers are still children. They're little kids. No, they haven't got the experience that the adults have. So that whole interaction, I'm a gran of tw- 10 children and just that whole interaction of grandparents to their grandkids, parents to their children, Sunday school teachers, whatever name we give it, mm. to the children that they're looking after, sure. But we've got to have the whole generation across the board together lots of times, oftentimes, maybe even most of the time. Great thoughts, Robin. Let's uh, hear a response from Terry. I'll say AM and PM to that as well, Robin. So. <laughs> That's great. I've only got four grandchildren. but uh, And um, 
The research says after parents being the most influential people in a child's faith formation, grandparents come number two. So I'm learning about that as well. So uh, it is a it is a in terms of lifelong active followers of Jesus, and that's what I want to see in the children, my children and grandchildren, and the ones I work with. That key to that are the generational connections. The research that I'm reading says that the more that the community can input and work alongside the parents or the parents who may not be there, we all have a responsibility. It takes a village to raise a child. Our African brothers and sisters say they get it. Um, And so we need to learn. But it's... Uh, we live in challenging times in this West, in the West, where where individualism is such a strong influence. And uh, I want to I want to say, let's be countercultural, let's be biblical, and let's be interdependent rather than independent, which is a biblical model. Think about the needs of others as more important than your own. Train up a child in the way they should go. When you go out, when you come in, the scriptures constantly say the value of a community in the life of a child. So, Robin, thank you. Um, Let's I say I am together. Yeah, I am. But can I just add a point very quickly about the parents to their children? Um, for parents who are maybe struggling to get messages and thoughts or mm. ways of doing life across to their children, it's live it yourself. Parents, live the Christ-like you set life yourself. Your kids will see it, feel it, taste it, whatever, and they'll get it off you um, if we're living it. Yeah, that's a good word, Robin. That's very good. Modelling rather than teaching alone. Robin from Victoria, thank you so much for your input today here on 2020. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to join in our conversation, just before we take another call, just something uh, you know, based on the sorts of feeling I get from uh, Robin. And she says she's a grandmother of 10 grandchildren. I'm jealous. Do you know what? We all want our children to grow up to be adults. But I wonder, Terry, whether we want our children to grow up and forget about being children, because it seems to me that, uh, you know, what I'm catching from people like Robin calling through is that uh, she's a grandma, but she's a child at heart, and uh, she hasn't forgotten what it is to have that wonder of childhood. Yeah. I would add to that, uh, Neil, that uh, if God has blessed you with children, and you you are um, Christian parents, your number one goal for your children, I would suggest, is that they would find the faith that you have, and that they would serve in that faith all of their lives. So if that is your number one goal and then education and jobs and partners comes out of that, well, then you will you will make time in your life to try and kick that goal. Um, but sadly, that priority is not often there for some parents. They have other things that are higher priorities. And um, we aren't time poor in this country. We are priority poor. And we need to set those priorities. What do we want to see at the end? I'd want to do now to try and get there. And that involves being a mum, being a dad, amidst all the challenges, finding support in that from your community. Let's take another call. Charlie is in Picton in New South Wales. Hello, Charlie. Welcome along. Yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, the reason I'm ringing, I'm uh, a, a, a scripture teacher at a, a primary school. I teach um, second and third class kids. Most of the kids that go, go to the scripture don't actually um, go to church so there's probably only two or three out of the whole of the 23 kids that we teach that actually go to church. The rest of them, they, I think their parents just send them along because they think they're doing the right thing, and that, that's all right. And the kids, the kids have a, a wonderful understanding of um, the gospel and uh, what it's all about, and they, they, um, they get, they, it slowly sinks in over the, over the years. And um, well, that, that's what I find is the, um, that, that's, we've got to break through into getting the 
parents involved in the church uh, as well as the, the kids in scripture. You know, that, that's what I find. Um, that's all right, Charlie. Um, I think we have, uh, in some states, we have this um, opportunity to instruct people within the Christian faith about the beliefs of the of the Christian faith. And so while that opportunity is there, you as an RI instructor, what a great opportunity to, um, yeah, to, um, with your Bible, explain that to children who may not grow up in homes where these things are talked about. So uh, well done for taking that opportunity and enjoy doing that. And, uh, yeah, speak what you read and live that out as you have that opportunity in your schools. Charlie from Picton in New South Wales, thanks so much for your call. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. 1-800-316-316. You might like to contribute to our conversation. Uh, some of the challenges, some of the opportunities, uh, you can be a part of our conversation today. It's interesting as we're taking these calls and as this discussion is unfolding today, uh, we can talk about what kids know and uh, we can talk about what kids believe. But when children are a part of who we are and the raising of a family, we're teaching our children what they ought to love. And, of course, if, uh, if we're talking priorities, uh, if we've got the wrong priorities, our children will learn to love the wrong priorities. Yes, they will. It, it is about love is an expression of doing. And uh, the more if for us... As parents, we wanted our children to, A, come to understand the faith that was core to my wife and I, but not just in a head knowledge, but actually outworked. And so finding opportunities for our children to be involved in the mission. And so for us as a family, we went on beach missions every Christmas so that our children were part of many people who are in the beaches living out the, what we believe. And so I would want to say to parents and Sunday school teachers and children's church leaders, how can you find opportunities for your children to, to put into practice the faith that, is, that you're being talk, uh, talking about with your children? They're experiencing in the confines of the room at, in your church building or in your homes. But how can you live it out? Because as you get a chance to put that into practice, the roots of your faith go deeper and deeper. And the more we can confront our children with brokenness, whatever form that is in our communities, what does that do to their faith? And they're confronted by brokenness and they have a chance to serve that, to serve in a soup kitchen, to walk up to a homeless person with their parents there and have a conversation. All that is, that makes your faith just become, I believe this because I'm doing something about it. Interestingly, when Charlie was talking about his experience and uh, the idea of lots of those kids in the scripture class uh, they're not uh, church families. They're not coming from church families, but they're they're interested. They're involved in the conversation. When you are the scripture teacher, the Sunday school teacher, the children's church minister, uh, there is a certain sense in which you almost do take on uh, this sort of role as an extra member of the family. And I, I guess you've got to say the same thing with childcare workers as well and school teachers. But but the scripture teacher, it's like an extra person in the family, and values are being caught at, in those moments. They are part of the family. I come back to those two Hebrew words again, that the second one, mishpahor, means the community, the people around the child who are inputting into that. So apart from the blood relative who live in the same house, these are the Sunday school teachers, the RI instructors, the, the, the auntie, the, yeah, all these people are, have the opportunity to, to feed into. Um, a colleague of mine, his son just graduated from grade 12 on Friday. Thursday night was... Um, formal. And the school has a tradition where 
our family members are invited to come at the start of the formal, have a meal together before the, the 12s, year 12s go off and have a party. And um, so my colleague was asked how many family members would come to the um, pre-formal thing, and he said 39. And the school said, no, it's not for your f- neighbours and community, just family. And my colleague said, this is my family, my aunties, my uncles, my cousins, all of whom have inputted into my our son. And as he talked about the input that these extended family members had in his life, he started to tear up, and so did I, because this is, I believe, what God meant when he put us in families, that we live together, extended and the wider community, to help the young child grow, be nurtured and mentored and coached on the way. So, um, uh, Time for one more call before the news. Coral is in Cooma in New South Wales. Hello, Coral. Hello. Carol, what are your thoughts? Look, I, I get... I, I mean, I've been listening to your comments and everything. Um, look, I was just wanting to bring to everyone's attention the value of books and stories. And I've got my Narnia books and things like that in front of me at the moment to remind me. And, look, the Narnia books, C.S. Lewis wrote them when he was reasonably old, that he'd had an immensely happy young childhood and his mother was a Christian and she died young. And when he wrote them later in his life, he said, oh, you can put all the best theological points into a children's story. And I'm speaking as someone who read every single book of his I could get my hands on. But when I had to apply it in life, it was some stories from the Narnia things that I could suddenly remember. And children love reading them. There might be other books besides C.S. Lewis. The parents sometimes love reading books to children. Grandparents love reading books to children. Excellent, Coral. I agree with you wholeheartedly and uh, love the Narnia books. Uh, Just let me highlight there are three great sources of stories. One is our Bible. There's some excellent stories in there. Two are the stories you've talked about, the the fiction, the the picture books, uh, and then thirdly, your own stories. That as you tell the stories from your life, all, all those add into the life of a child, help them to grow. So, but Terry Williams is our guest this hour. Our talkback line is open. We're talking about the challenges and the opportunities there are with children in this new millennium. 1-800-316-316 to be part of our conversation. Terry, let's take a call. Carolyn is on the line from Tarang in Victoria. Hi, Carolyn. Hello, Carolyn. Hi, how are you going? Very good. What are your I thoughts, just, Carolyn? I um, wanted to talk about single parents. I'm a mm. single mum of two boys who are teenagers and I've raised them since they were babies. Well done. And, yeah. And um, I guess I just wanted to encourage those that are listening, you know, to reach out to single mums and their kids because we really need all the support we can get. And my boys... Um, both have the same dad and one son sees his dad on a regular basis but the other son does not want to see his dad. So he's missed out on that role model and if the church doesn't kind of provide that to my sons, they miss out. But I'm just encouraged because at the moment the church we've moved in the last six months and the church that we're going to, um, the youth group pastor is really connected with my younger son and spends time with him, and it just has meant so much to me. So I guess, yeah, my point or what I wanted to, to say was to just 
the church families out there to, if they can, you know, to reach out to the single mums and to the kids of single parents um, because yeah, they, their kids need that support yeah. of, you know, like you've talked about, that it takes a village to raise, raise a family. Mm. Carolyn, great thoughts there. Your response, Terry? Uh, well done, Carolyn. You've had some hard yards and you've mm-hmm. got some that's continuing. And mm-hmm. I do hear many stories of local faith communities who are actually doing that, where they're taking uh, boys um, away on, on fishing camps where, where there may not be dads present. And so I th- a lot of churches are doing that. Some aren't. Uh, we can always do more. But it does underline, as you've just said, the value and the importance of the community looking at the child in their midst. Jesus mm. placed a child in the midst of a bunch of adults many years ago, and and that's a challenging picture to keep in mind. And so in your community, your local faith community sees your children and is responding, your youth pastor, and there's more that we can do. So, uh, yes, we, we do sometimes just think nuclear, and the word family mm. is... it's. It's, I talk in terms of homes these days. I think it's a more inclusive term that rather than go into who's in, yeah. in let's talk homes and how yeah. can faith communities, how do we serve the homes in our, in our community mm. and the people within those homes, regardless mm. of the makeup. So yeah. uh, thanks for the encouraging story mm. um, about your church is actually doing something and your youth pastor is becoming a bit of a coach and a mentor yeah. to your boys and that you can't put a value on that. Doing yeah. life together that's, I think, what sets apart um, some youth leaders and children's ministry leaders who see that role investing long-term into, into young yeah. lives. And, Carolyn, what I can hear in your story is that now that you've found someone who connects with your son on a heart-to-heart level, yep. it's almost more important, or perhaps it is more important, uh, than what that youth leader knows and what that youth leader wants to teach uh, those uh, children in his or her care. Uh, this connection of the heart, this is what you've discovered. Yeah, yeah, that is just, yeah, my younger son just really hasn't connected with a male role model. Mm. He had a great teacher at school and that, that teacher left and that was a couple of years ago and I really noticed a difference in him when that teacher left and then it was a few years before he's since now and just the last few months He's connected with his youth group leader, and it's just it, it just helps him. It supports him. You can see a change in his personality. You know, it's yeah. The connection of, of relationship is so important, and and I guess you know God's really opened my eyes to that because I've probably been a bit like, oh, he'll be right, but mm. yeah, God knew what he needed, and, and you know, and God's word says that he will put us in a family, and that that's what yep. he's done in recent times. So. Yeah. Carolyn, going, Carolyn, thank you so much for your call today on 2020. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. I wonder, Terry, do we often choose the children's leaders in our church because they've had some special training and they know something or they look like they've got a spark when they're up the front in front of people and uh, and they have a clear way maybe of, of teaching things, maybe even telling stories. But if you don't connect at heart level, uh, kids pick that up pretty easily, don't they? They do. I think sadly, Neil, in some churches, the plea goes out. We desperately need Sunday school teachers. We desperately need children's church leaders. We've asked everybody else, but Neil, you're the last person. Could you... Often that is the approach that's taken to recruit leaders, and I, I just want to flip that around the other way and that any invitation to be involved in leadership 
with children in your local faith community really has to start with vision about we're looking for someone who can actually in, connect with the child's life, help them do life together, share some of the wisdom that they've learned from their own life to help the child find the reality of Jesus in their own life. And as I looked at you, I think you could do that really very well. So is that something you could think about and pray about? I think let's raise the vision. And just as Caroline said, it is, it is about relationship. And I think often we may put too much emphasis on the content. Now, please don't misquote me. I'm passionate about the content of the Christian faith and, and what's taught there. But sometimes I think it's who we are that speaks much more loudly than actually the words that we are saying. And it's who we are that will be remembered. I have a mental picture of my Sunday school teachers, and that picture won't leave me. What they taught me, I can't remember, but it's the who, it's the relationship, it's the connecting. So that's a key part in in inviting people to be a leader in children's ministry. We're taking calls, 1-800-316-316. We're talking about children in this new millennium, the challenges and the opportunities. Our special guest is Terry Williams. Terry's a children's ministry specialist. He serves on a global training team. We've got him at a nice time when he's back on Australian soil and going to get refreshed for another big year next year. We're taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call from Russell in Slacks Creek in Brisbane. Hello, Russell. Welcome along. Hello. How are you? um, Really bless me. I've got involved with children and uh, just have 22 home for lunch off a Sunday after church and that. But when them children got older and they were mature, they were turning up at my door all hours. But the thing I say, if you go for the children, you also get the parents in, which I noticed a lot of the parents were coming in who weren't going to church and that. And at times I was going to other churches and taking the children with me. And some of these children are turned up in suits. I didn't know them. And they say, Russell, you used to take me to Sunday school. Mm. I thought, thank you, Lord. The yeah. seeds have been planted. I don't know what you're really doing, but I give glory to you that these children are coming in even today. Yeah, thank you, Russell. And um, you've highlighted, I think, a key uh, role for anyone involved in children's ministry in a local church and that is if you are running a kids' club or whatever your children's group is, you must be intentionally thinking, now how can I, as well as teach these children and be Jesus to this group, how can I connect with the families or the homes from which they come? Because uh, they, they, they've been allowed to come to this event, the ongoing. And so I want to say to any children's pastor, um, if I'm sure you're doing it now, but to be thinking intentionally, how do we connect with the family, with the homes, in whatever way that is? Is it just when they drop their children off at Kids Club on Thursday afternoon, you've got fresh coffee and a coffee and chocolate walnut cake there on offer? Would you stay for a cup of coffee? So there's just an opportunity to connect with the parents and the caregivers so that you're building a relationship with them. And that opens the door then to share some of the reason why uh, why you're doing this and, um, and will help them in their role. Some of them will be single mums like Caroline who just love that chance to have a cup of coffee. So well done, Russell, for what you've done and for highlighting the importance of how we can connect with parents at the same time. Thanks, Russell, from Slacks Creek. And our talkback line remains open, 1-800-316-316. You might like to contribute to our conversation today. Uh, Let me ask you about this 
coffee because <laughs> this is something you're very passionate about, isn't it, Terry? Uh, God made fact, the coffee bean, Neil. Remember that. <laughs> in fact, uh, the last couple of conversations we've had, uh, we've almost uh, been intending to make it a priority as to, as to find uh, where to get the best coffee. Uh, what are your thoughts on coffee? Uh, open up with your coffee wisdom for us. My coffee wisdom is this, that God made the coffee bean for this purpose, that coffee is not meant to be drunk alone. One should drink coffee with somebody else. And so I'm a passionate believer in coffee, or you can substitute other other beverages, but because I think we need to spend more time drinking coffee with other people. So if you're a children's ministry leader in your church and you belong to denomination A, go and have a cup of coffee with someone from denomination B because you're on. we're doing the same thing and just learn from each other. And so I just love sitting down drinking coffee with other people because then it allows us to hear, tell me your story. What book are you reading? What has helped you on the journey? I've got this issue I'm struggling with. And not just to stay in our own denominational cloister, but we are the kingdom of God. And I think that's we are much more open these days to actually connecting with other denominations and finding their Christians as well. But to answer your question, the best coffee uh, um, is uh, in Australia. I've been to 70 countries and I've yet to find better coffee than here. Um, and uh, in terms of Australia, the best coffee is in Brisbane, is in Queensland, because uh, Bean Hunter, which is the most commonly used app on phones that re- that people can put their reviews, has just uh, released their findings for 2016 and eight of the top ten Coffee establishments in Australia were in Queensland, most in Brisbane, I believe. So we beat Melbourne. <laughs> okay. Well, you've done your bit for Queensland tourism today because <laughs> some people will chase the best coffee uh, from wherever they may be. And uh, and I'm sure there might be some uh, who are listening in WA or in Adelaide. Uh, you might be listening uh, throughout South Australia, the Northern Territory. You might be Victoria in Tasmania, New South Wales. You might have something to say about the best coffee. Well, you're welcome to call us too. And uh, if we can take a quick call on coffee, we will. Uh, we're back with more in just a few moments. Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. We're talking about children and especially children's ministry in your local church. And some great wisdom flowing this hour. Our special guest is Terry Williams. He's a children's ministry specialist. He serves on a global training team with Scripture Union International, helping to multiply trainers across the world. And uh, don't let us finish this segment without talking about a, a very significant conference that's coming up in March next year called the Ignite Conference. We'll talk about that in just a few moments. Uh, there is an igniteexpo.org.au website, but we'll talk about that. Something like a 1,000 children's ministries come together for that one. Uh, Terry, let's take another call. Let's hear from Ruth in Queensland. Hello, Ruth. Welcome along. Yes, I was just um, thinking, you know, like um, about the children's ministry and things like that and... Yes, and I think it's also important to address um, that there has been a lot of abuse of children in the capable hands or the so-called capable hands of church leaders and institutions and people that want to be near your children. So that's another word of caution in many, many, there's much abuse of that instances. Mm. And I feel also sometimes people that are in such places of um, authority and trust that... 
God, well, we say God has given it. Well, people in the church have given those people to for the welfare of your children. That um, you know that people have got to be very careful that they're walking truly in the love of God and they're not walking in partiality mm-hmm. because I've been um, in churches where people can be very hard on people that have some divorced families and, and I've seen the impact on children or lower socioeconomic levels. Ruth, some important things in what you're sharing. Uh, let's get a response from Terry. And Terry, I, I think if you're able to pick up on this uh, this. Uh, issue of abuse that's yeah, happened in definitely. churches because I imagine there's a lot of people who are very uh, uh, disgruntled with yes. churches and even have left churches as a result. Yes, we, we, we know that this is a sad indictment in the past. We pray it is not happening to the same extent today and on many churches, majority I would want to say in the country, have instituted child safe procedures because we, we so care for children. We want to make sure anyone who is given some responsibility with children um, uh, checks out. So the government in our state has got a blue card system, which is very good. And um, now nothing is foolproof. We always need to be vigilant. So thank you for that caution, Ruth. And yes, sometimes people do abuse the power. But I, I want to say I'm very encouraged by the amount of training in child safe that is happening today to try and prevent that. And in terms of caring for those who have been hurt in any way through Yes, sadly, we are broken people and therefore broken attitudes and broken comments will continue to come inappropriately to people who are just doing it so hard because of marriage breakdown or abuse or whatever. So that is not the way of Jesus. Jesus would want to be there and we need to be have the same reaction that Jesus had, to lovingly respond with, with compassion, with eyes of compassion. So that's the ideal, that's what we strive for. In the midst of that, we are broken people, and these things will continue to happen, sadly. But let's pray less and less. Uh, Ruth from Queensland, thank you so much for your input today here on 2020. And for parents who would be concerned about these things, Mm. uh, I imagine that most pastors, uh, the leaders of local churches, are happy to hear the questions that parents would have about the sort of child safe procedures that they would have in place because and I suspect that every parent uh, would be interested to know that their children are safe in those settings and that there are some safeguards. Uh, your thoughts on uh, the the typical sort of response from pastors Terry uh, pick up your point first, yes, parents ask the question if you are sending your child to a Sunday school or a kids' club during the week, ask the question: Are the leaders do they all have blue cards? Fulfill your role as a parent and ask those questions. And and the church pastor should be, or or the youth group leader should um will should willingly answer those questions and should be able to say unequivocally that each one of our leaders has ticked all the boxes and and in Queensland that's where we are has fulfilled a requirement that has been set by the government. And in other states there are similar situations. So all churches should have those um, systems in place because it's we are taking responsibility for children who belong to another home for a period of time. So we must do that. We must set exceptionally high standards. And most churches are doing that these days. But parents, ask the question. Okay. And just a few minutes left in our conversation, as we draw things together, we talk about children's ministry. Most people who are in some level of children's ministry in their local church would say, well, you know, I'm just an average children's ministry leader. I do what I'm told. 
I go to the trainings and I do that uh, great stuff with the kids. I actually love doing it. And I'd say I'm fairly average. What is it, Terry, that would need to change in the life of an average children's church, Sunday school, scripture teacher to become exceptional? Is there a key? Is there something that we can just sort of identify that would take you from average to being absolutely wonderful? Uh, There is no key, but there are a number of building blocks that would help, I think, um, help you to be the better person that you can in that role. Things like to, um, to connect with their life, connect with their life. So take an interest in the child. I know you've got 30 children in your, in your scripture class, but as best you can, find out about their life. Look for those connecting points and connect there. Share some of your life with them as well. Pray for your children consistently. Um, outside of a school context, in a church context, can you meet their parents or meet the people who look after them in their homes so that you've got, I want to meet the mum or meet the dad or meet the aunt who looks after this child. So you are holistically looking, how can I walk along this, alongside this child for the period of time that they journey into my life? So there's some building blocks that are beyond curriculum. These are some of the pieces around it, around the words you say, that oh, I'm, I'm interested in you and I remember your name and who you are. I met your parent. I met your – all those things. That says – that speaks volumes into the life of a child and I believe makes a difference. Okay. We mentioned a conference and you'll be a part of this conference next year. It's on, on the 4th of March. It'll be happening in Brisbane and there's going to be as many as a 1,000 people who are going to be a part of that conference uh, there to talk about children's ministry. Uh, what's so important about people booking in and being part of this Ignite conference? Yeah, first Saturday in March always. It's been happening now for 13 years. It's uh, people from 24 different denominations come together. It's not owned by any organisation. We all work together to serve children's ministry leaders in churches and in parents in homes and in school ministry so that uh, we can help them at the start of the year. There are two keynote speakers. We've got um, a compassion child from the Philippines coming out who is now running a not-for-profit rescuing children in the Philippines from trafficking. Uh, We've got 90 workshops on offer. There are 40 resource booths packed with resources. So if you can't find something there to help you, it's free for country leaders. It's free for junior leaders still enrolled at high school. It's free for senior pastors. So, um, yeah, so check the website out, igniteexpo.org.au, and register and uh, love to see you there and, and take all you can from the day to serve you and your ministry wherever that may be in 2017 and beyond. So that's one website to remember. That's igniteexpo.org.au. The other website to make connection with Terry Williams, su-international.org. SU, of course, stands for Scripture Union, but su-international.org. Terry Williams, always great getting your insights into issues like the ones we've been talking about today with Children's Ministry, and I look forward to another opportunity in the new year. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Neil. It's time to get a cup of coffee. We'd better do that. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.